Oh. Oh, shoot. Love you guys. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, OKN. Justin Kazepa spills on the sticks. Officially 706. I got one of these uh, Chobani uh, uh, little little smoothies here this morning. Yogurt cultured dairy drink, as they call it nowadays. They've gotten so sophisticated. I was reading the the label here as I got. I was getting lost deep. All of a sudden, the show, I look up and the show has started. Literally, I don't know. I'm I'm very grateful I looked up because I I would have been, still been on this label. Let me tell you about my breakfast right now. I got to tell you a little bit about this. Authentically crafted. No sugar, but then there's an asterisk next to it. And then it says not a low-calorie food. But the sugar thing is is confusing because then you go to the back of the ingredients and then there's like a little plus sign next to skim milk, which is next to ultra-filtered non-fat milk, trying to understand the difference there. And it says includes a dietarily insignificant amount of sugar. It seems like a bunch of... Uh, Gobbledygook? I don't know. What's the word I don't should worry be looking about for? That. <laughs> Six live and active cultures. Yeah, don't you worry about that. Named after scientists, no doubt. S. Thermophilus. Anyway, this is what I was getting lost in this morning. I, I, I'm staring off of my Chobani bottle. Zero sugar, mixed berry flavored, 10 grams of protein. You got to get your protein. Bill, what was your source of protein this morning? I've not had any protein this None? morning. None this morning. What's your, what's your, t- when you think of protein, what do you typically like to go to? Ooh, I try, I try to find my protein in my foods. Okay. So usually some eggs, mm. you know, I'll go Gaston on some eggs. Gaston, just raw? No, I'm talking like 12. <laughs> you you know? really will eat 12 eggs? Uh, I'll eat about eight eggs in a seat. That's a lot. It's you know you'd think like eight eggs. I don't feel good about it. Well, I'm 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 not hating on it. You got to have a decently sized pan to cook eight eggs at one time. Eggs actually spread. Yeah. Pretty. You know, there's some expansion that occurs there when you go and cook it. Yeah, it is pretty exciting stuff. (laughs) It's an exciting day. Uh, We've got John Green, CEO, President and CEO of Iredale Health. He's going to be joining us via phone at 7.30. And then at 8.30 today, we've got Com- Commissioner Dave Gilroy of the town of Cornelius. Bill Russell will also be calling in today. Going to check in on our small businesses, see how the farm is doing. It's a who's who. It's a pretty big lineup today. And that's not even the whole week. That's just Wednesday. It's Wednesday. We made it. It is Wednesday. We made it to the middle of the week. Man, we're halfway there. I'm going to go ahead and finish it out strong. We're going we're gonna to get there. You're going to put that smile on the face. I'm going to stop off on the sidewalk. Hey, random selfie. And then just keep going. Got to get a random selfie with the kid who waves on Kataba. Oh, yeah. He sits in that chair. Yeah. Hadn't seen him in a while. I think there was a funeral at that house. Okay. There um, was. like, There was a lot of cars there for a couple of weeks. And I'm, I think it was like a really in-depth like a uh, funeral, pretty sure. Don't know what happened, but you see that house that exploded yesterday in Mooresville? Oh, terrible, dude. Terrible. Obliterated. Like like the pick the overhead, the drone shot of it is like literally there's nothing left. Yeah, that was uh devastating. Yeah. They said natural gas was was, that's what was part of that's it. That's what I hear. Yeah. 
Which isn't a good feeling because we have a lot of natural gas in this area. Correct. And so you wonder, was it a malfunction as far as like a particular device or... Because you, you smell it. You know, they put right. the smell in it. Correct. They you, put the smell in it. You're supposed to know. <laughs> they do. They, you're, supposed to, you're supposed to be able to smell it because it's odorless naturally until they inject it with like eggs or something like that. And and then you're supposed to know what's going on. So are you questions. serious? Yeah. They really... Or are you messing with me right now? They inject it with smell. Natural gas is odorless. They have okay. they put stuff in it so you smell it. Wow. Genuinely. You do this. You you're you worked well, for how, a I, contractor. No. Nah. <laughs> not with that. Oh yeah, you were on the concrete side. Yeah. Not no, the natural not, gas side. I stayed away from that gas line. Dude, the gas line is no joke, clearly. And then for it happening in our in our backyard, you know, right in Mooresville. Right. You said Megan Suber, uh, director of communications, came on the show yesterday, just straight off the bat, like, "Hey, it's not in our district." Is that you said? That's what she said first thing of the show. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. They said that they addressed the scenario and they, uh, the Mooresville Fire Department helped out. That's good. That's what you want. <laughs> that's exactly what you want. <laughs> is you need help from a team. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you need. Uh, we are going to have Huntersville PD on the show next week. Did I tell you that yet? I saw an email. Okay, so we're going to have Huntersville PD. We're going to talk about fentanyl. Okay. A lot of stuff going on. They did some postings that they wanted some public notice about. Sure. Just to kind of keep everybody informed. And I said, look, let's talk about it. Good, man. That's scary stuff. It is scary. That's the last thing you need is like having a day. Here's some sweet tarts. All of a sudden, it's not sweet tarts. It's fentanyl. Right. You know, kids passing around candy at school, things like that. I'm just thinking like, you know, hypothetically here, a lot of potential issues. And so you got you want to be aware, and I and I don't know everything about it. Like that's the thing is I feel like it's so diluted the conversation. Right. It's hard to keep track of like, are people buying fentanyl or is fentanyl just getting shoved in everything? I'm still confused on that one. Like, would you intentionally buy fentanyl to get high? Like, is that like part of it right now? Is that right? Like, yeah. I I'm not a hundred percent. I don't sure know. Either. Yeah. Right. I have people no idea. just do. It seems pretty that extreme. Like yeah. that's a that's an extreme level. Like knowing what fentanyl can do, and they say like they had this picture on the posting the Huntersville PD did. Right. It was of a penny, and it said how much of fentanyl is deadly, and it points to like a little speck on the penny, and that much worth of fentanyl is deadly. So not the whole penny, a speck on the penny, was how much of fentanyl is considered deadly. So I don't think people are just straight up looking for fentanyl to buy. I mean, it's hard for me to believe that. Right. Could be wrong. I want to find out. Yeah. With all the high school stuff going on, you know, kids these days. And look, the game's changed. It's not, it's not your simple doobies, you know, rolling up, you know, grams of marijuana. That's not, that's not what it is anymore. It's gotten extreme. <laughs> it's gone way beyond what, what used to be. Yeah. Not that I know anything about it. Scary time. And I feel like, you know, I got two young kids. They're not at that age yet, thank the Lord. But they will be eventually. There are a lot of kids in our area at that age, probably know a lot of what's going on. Couldn't imagine being a high schooler these days. The pressure, COVID. Could you imagine being a senior through COVID? No. Like not even being able to go to a graduation. Not, no classes. Right. It's probably all online. It was when they got the stay at home, it was probably awesome for like 12 hours. Right. And it's like, it was cool for the first like two weeks. Right. Wait, I can't go anywhere. I'm not allowed to do anything. Wait. We're going to do this the whole year? Okay. Even though I don't understand this? Any of it. Right. I thought I was going to college. You are. 
You're still going to go. I am. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of confusing scenarios. Prom? No prom? Yeah. Wow. Virtual prom. Virtual prom. Seems weird. But they did it. Yeah. They did what they had to do. So we're doing what we got to do this morning. That's Bill putting up with me right now. 844 Studio 4. How about yesterday? Big a big day yesterday for WSIC. Man, I had a great day. We gave Very away fun. tickets for the first time on the morning show. That went phenomenally. Yep. Shout out to Michael in Cabarrus County. Hope he and his wife have a wonderful time on Friday. And then Caden Cox performs a live song, acoustic style, during Know the Scene. Beautiful. Justin Dion gives away another pair of tickets to Sue, who calls into the show. Yes, yeah, Sue, I did not grab her last name. Gonna need to do that. Well, I don't know if we got, I mean, I don't well, know. I don't Even if I you grabbed to. it, I don't think we need to say the last right. name. I don't think it seems a little weird. I don't know, like, like Michael from Cabarrus, I can do that. Right. Sue from Saskatchewan, I could do that. Right. I don't want to go be thrown out Sue people's Saskatchewan last name. Saskatchewan. Right. From Saskatchewan. Right. And now if you're a guest on the show, we're gonna tell your last name. Oh, we're gonna tell. We're gonna we're gonna do it. Like like John Green coming up at 7:30. And uh, we're gonna have word of the day. Also gonna hear I I think we're gonna hear from Jeff. Find out what's going on on the streets. We got to. Good morning, LK and 844 Studio 4. I love you, my kid. Good morning, okay. It's okay, we'll just keep jamming. Justin Kazep is 718, Bill's on the sticks. Want to know what's going on on the roads? Well, we got our main man Jeff on the phone. Jeff's going to give us the, the lowdown on what's happening on the streets. Jeff, how are we looking this morning? Well, Justin, good morning. Uh, 77 South, around uh, mile marker uh, 47 to 46, there's a semi broke down with a wrecker, so be careful with, uh, around that. And then uh, exit, around exit 42, going south on 77, uh, traffic is really heavy. It slows down, but it, it's flowing. But just be careful. There's a, just uh, a lot of folks out on the road this morning. Uh, besides that, uh, first trip going down to Charlotte was uh, uneventful and uh, everything was flowing smoothly. But uh, just be aware that uh, the usual Lake Norman uh, traffic uh, jam will, will take place again today. Sounds like Troutman's got a little uh, little action going on this morning. What's going on with Troutman getting all the traffic right now, Jeff? Is that normal? Uh, no, it isn't. But it, uh, I, there was no accident. It just everything kind of bottlenecked, slowed down, and a and, uh, lot of people on the road this morning. Yeah, a lot of people going to work. How was the ride? So you said the ride down to Charlotte was smooth the first round. You you, you thinking it'll be the same the second round? Uh, it, in the HOV lane, it should be, yes. That's right, because when you ride ICATS, you ride that HOV lane all the way down to Charlotte for three bucks, right, Jeff? Three bucks to go from Iredell County yeah. down to the city. That's right. That's not you bad. You can't beat that. No, you cannot. And then you guys do also trips to Hickory. You do trips to Winston. Is that today? Wednesday's your day for going to those two other spots as well? Is that right? Uh, no. Uh, Thursday is when we uh, take people to uh, Winston. Uh, for doctor's appointments, uh, Friday uh, is, is when we do Hickory. So if you schedule appointments on uh, in Winston on a Thursday, uh, we can take and, and work something out to be able to transport you down, and it's only a dollar each way. And then on Friday is when we go to Hickory, and that's only a dollar each way. 
that's a steal right there, Jeff. We appreciate you, sir. Drive safe. All right. Have a great morning. You too. All right, Jeff, giving us the lowdown on what's going on on the streets. iCats, rideicats.com. If you want to schedule a trip, you can do it there. They have uh, continuous routes. They run through Iredell County. Plus, uh, they do on-demand pickup as well. And it's a dollar. That's pretty crazy. Three bucks to go to Charlotte, an express route all the way down to the city. And if you are uh, throughout Iredell County, just a buck. And you can go, they even do, like you said, the Winston trip on Thursdays, Hickory on Fridays. A lot of options. What we want to do is help provide alternative transportation options. All right, Bill, what's next? Maybe. At some point. Maybe not. Doesn't really matter. Word of the day music not really chiming through for me right now. Not liking you at all. Not huh? liking me one bit. Word, word, word. Word, word is the word. Word, word is the word. Word, word, word. word. What's the word? Word of the What's day. What's the word? Today's word of the day is duplicity. 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 It's a noun. It is a noun. Person, place, or thing. I'm going to go with it's a thing. Thing-ish. Thing-ish, okay. Yes. Thing one, thing two, got it. Yep, yep, yep. Duplicity. The extent of his duplicity wasn't clear until a century after his death when documents revealing more of his many deceptions were discovered. Duplicity. Can you give me that one again? (laughs) The extent of his duplicity wasn't clear until a century after his death Mm. when documents revealing... More of his many deceptions were discovered. Mm, his evilness. Okay, okay. You got another sentence? I got sentences. Okay. This one's a long one. Okay. Stay with me. Okay. Calling himself now Captain Williams, now Lord Gerard or Lord Newport or Lord Cornwallis, he traveled from one part of Europe to another. He underwent imprisonments for crime and became an expert in all kinds of duplicity. An expert in mischievous activity. Man, you're something around there. I'm dancing on it. You are dancing on it. You're dancing on it, it, around it. I like it. Uh, Duplicity is a formal word that refers to dishonest behavior meant to trick or deceive someone. Duplicity. So it's formal. It's the formal version of being shady. Correct. Formally shady. Why are you acting all duplicit? (laughs) The duplicit activity occurring has me questioning the authenticity of the matter. Hey, rhymes, sounds good. I'm with you, my man. That was a formal sentence right there if I've ever had one. Put on a suit. Oh, got one. Oh, that's all you got is formal (laughs) suit. Wow, there it is. The word of the day where Bill gives me a word. And I've got to guess the definition. Today's most uh, recent rendering of this included uh, Bill and I singing the theme song for Word of the Day. A little bonus there. Yep. Always good on a Wednesday to get a little bonus activity going on. Right. Clip it. My apologies to the listeners for the uh, mishap. Does that mean I should not ask you to play some of these other audio clips that I was ready to play or wanting Um, to play? I think we should maybe test it out over break. Yeah, that'd Um, probably be good. Yeah. And you should just let me know what audio clips you want to play because... I don't know. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought you were inside my brain and it would right. already have understood. I can just, pull, pull. <laughs> just pull them up and there they are. Right. There they are. That's those are the ones. Roll clip twenty-seven. 
That's that's usually how they do it, right? Most radio shows in that way. They say, uh, let's go ahead and play clip 39. Give me that one. Yep. You're really? being duplicit on me. These guys, these guys put together 39 clips for the show. My gosh, that's a lot of audio clips. My word. My word. I thought they would be talking more. Let me get a clip. That's, <laughs> uh, you see Kim Kardashian uh, went to get her driver's license photo uh, redone. She's 42 now. They closed the DMV for her. Like, it's only her in the DMV, which I got to be honest with you, what special treatment that is. If you haven't been to the DMV recently, it's a joy. And then she brings, like, this entourage. So they have to, like, set up the cameras and all this stuff, too. And it just, it just, it just seemed to get a little out of hand. You know, we already closed the DMV for you. And then you go and you got to bring the whole crew through. It reminds me a lot of, like, the people, like, when you're walking through the grocery store and they just stop right in the middle of the aisle. You ever have those? You ever notice? Do you notice those kind of people, Bill? Yes. Like just stop in the middle of the aisle. Yes. And they'll just get whatever they want. Yep. It's their aisle. Yeah. Seems like it's one of those world, type of scenarios. Just living in it. All right. Um, they're, they're, Today we are with Kim and we're getting her driving license picture ready. But it's a big deal because you have to live with it for a long time. Five years, that's a long time. Yeah. But oh my God. Too many people live with driving licenses, which are not cute. Quiet on the set. DMV workers. Stop working, DMV workers. I mean, this is the most important photo you'll ever take in Hundreds of people One, wait outside. Two, three, four. Kim Kardashian is here. Can I see it? Yeah. Everyone Maybe needs to stop. Come out a bit more. So it's not so cross. She's here no, to get yeah. her, her picture yeah, taken. Yeah, is there people. any way to save this? Do another and have them. Yeah, side don't worry. It's just Kim. Did she just ask for wow. a redo? She got a redo, <laughs> my man. <laughs> she got a redo. She got a redo. Dude, what, dude? Pri bunch of privileged folk walking around here. Are you kidding me right now? She got a redo on the DMV photo. My, let, let me. To uh, be fair, if you saw the first one, you would definitely have advised her to get a redo as well. I mean, come on. How many? How, who is she showing her driver's license to, first off? It's five years, Justin. It's a long time. Who does she need to identify herself to? What is she doing? You think they make her do it at the airport? You think they make her show her driver's license at the airport when she checks in? Are you really Kim Kardashian? No, I'm not. Prove it. Right. It's a good question. I'm sure she does, but I'm sure she does like the private thing. I would imagine she's got some jets. You think she flies commercial? I don't even know. I mean, no. you think she... No, I doubt she no. does. No. <laughs> they, no. They, I imagine she's got her own plane. Kanye's got his own plane. Doesn't nice. he? I don't know. I think he, Drake's got his own plane. Drake does have his own plane. He did a whole video on that. That was pretty cool. It's a lot of maintenance. Yeah. It's a nice... It's an expensive toy, I guess. What, what, what costs more to maintain, a plane or a boat? Ooh, probably a plane. Really? I mean, a boat, like, it just sits in the water. But the, the water does stuff, right? I guess, like, if you had, like, a mega yacht, you know, like, one of them big old mega yachts, mm. which they all have, right? They all got their toys. Right. I just bought my brand new $150 million mega yacht, upon which I will ride two days out of the year versus your airplane that you're flying. All I just feel like you would want to maintain your airplane more than your boat. Right. From a risk assessment perspective. Great call. Great call. Great call. Like the boat, as long as we're floating, okay, the blender doesn't work right now. Not the end of the world. Right. The engine on the airplane stopped. Big deal. Little more concerning. We got a problem. We, we need to get some specialists in here. 
I feel like probably too harder to find people that can work on that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, isn't it like a 747 that Drake got to? Like, it wasn't like a little plane. It no. wasn't like a little, you know, single engine Cessna like we flew over over Lake Norman. Yeah, no, it was a... Uh, it was a, like a, a Boeing. Yeah. It was like, it was like a commercial. Where do you put that thing? <laughs> you got to buy the hangar at that point too, right? Right. If I'm Drake, I'm like, what? what a, thanks. <laughs> and then what that's the other thing is that? the rent. Everywhere you go where you keep it, you know, if you're traveling all the time, you got to leave it somewhere. And that costs money. And then the gas. Imagine what the gas is on that airplane. I'd bet like fifty thousand every time just to fill it up. Yeah, please don't make me guess. I have no idea. I'd have no idea either. I have no idea. I'm gonna have to find out. I'm gonna have to find. I'm gonna find out from someone who's got airplanes. Be experts when we get back from the break. That's right. John Green's coming up, CEO, president of Iredell Health. We're gonna chat with him about uh, what's going on with Iredell Health, what they're doing in the community to uh, get things rocking and rolling. They got a new urgent care opened up on Broad Street. We were there a couple of weeks ago. Whenever that bad boy opened up. It's always good because you can just roll me across the street from Daylight Donuts. Just roll me straight over to the urgent care. Good morning, LKN. 844 Studio 4. When we come back, I believe John Green's on the phone. I'm going to hope that he is. We'll find out. Somebody's calling Bill this morning already. 844 Studio 4 if you want to be part of the conversation. Good morning, LKN. Justin Kazepis, 734, approaching 735 quickly. If you're on your way to work, better pick up the pace a little bit. But do it safely. Don't be trying to blame us as if we're the reason why something occurred on the streets. I know we get you excited. And I'm excited right now because we're joined by John Green, president and CEO of Iredale Health. So this is the guy guy who, who knows things going on. So, Bill, if if we get John plugged in here, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him a lot of personal questions too. We're gonna get him a lot of personal questions too. How are we doing this morning, sir? Good morning. I'm not sure about the personal questions, but other than that, I'm great. Well, I I figured I'd just shake things up a little bit, right? It's a, it's got you journalism. We got you, Mr. Green. We got you on the phone. Now answer the questions. <laughs> How's the morning going for you so far? Absolutely fine. Are you are you at Iredale Health right now, or what's like your typical morning routine? I am actually in my office as we speak, Justin. It's uh, it's a few minutes. I, I, I my normal routine is I get up and I go to the the gym at six o'clock, and uh, so I had to cut my exercise short uh, just to to be on the radio. But that's okay. I'll make up for it tomorrow morning. Wow! And, uh, Thank you. Then I get into the hospital usually between seven thirty and eight, and and I head out sometime around six. What's it like being president and CEO of a health system? Like, like what's what's like a typical day for you? Would you say? Shoot, uh, you know, a typical day. There's just a lot of meetings. Um, generally, I would say seventy-five percent of my day is is in defined meetings, um, and so it's really just the ability to bounce from one topic to another very quickly, uh, because more often than not, the the meetings are not on the same or anything similar topic-wise. It could be about growth. It could be about you know expenses. It could be about a problem we're having with this certain specialty or a certain, you know, issue in the organization. It could be a supply issue, could be a regulatory issue. So, you know, really bounces all around.
around, um, but it's generally meeting-based, which is why the beginning and the end of the day is, is where you kind of catch up on you know, your other needs and or after you get home. I would imagine a lot of your meetings have to do with, you, you mentioned growth and, and kind of a community plan, right? Like the go-forward action plan as the community continues to grow, continues to shift, what are those needs? So when you think about like goal-setting, for Iredale Health, <clears throat> excuse me. What are what are some of like the top tier goals you guys currently have set as a, as an organization? Sure. So you know we set a, a strategic plan every year, um, and you know it's a multi multi page, multi faceted. You know, look at all of the above. Uh, but when you think about a lot of the most important things going on in healthcare right now, and with Iredale right now, you know, it is looking at you know, A, how do we handle the growth in the community, which is a fantastic problem to have, by the way. You know, there's a lot of communities that don't have that uh, good fortune. Secondly, it's looking at, you know, expense control just because, you know, our, our costs continue to escalate, uh, especially from a staffing standpoint. But at the same time, you don't see, you know, any insurance company, you know, offering higher reimbursement. Understandably, it, it's, you know, healthcare is expensive. But so, you know, a lot of it is the balance of growth and, and expense. You know, from a growth standpoint, you know, kind of diving down that for a couple minutes, you know, what we look at is really just from a community standpoint, where are we lacking? You know, are we lacking in a part of the county? Are we lacking in a specialty? Um, are we lacking in a type of service? And then how do we work toward that? You know, the goal at the end of the day really goes back to, you know, the mission of the organization, the charter of the organization when it was created in 1952, which was to care for the health and the wellness of the citizens of Iredell and surrounding counties. And, and so in order to do that, we recognize more and more how we have to be in the community. It cannot be, you know, you come to us. You know, we have to figure out how we can, you know, be close enough to everybody that is, that is consumer centric, that is convenient. So that's a lot of, you know, what we're looking at from a growth standpoint. Uh, obviously, in 2018, we purchased a large plot of land, 18 acres in Mooresville, to help work on that plan uh, because we recognized that, you know, we didn't need to have a smattering of offices. We needed a second campus. And, and so we built that second campus. It opened during COVID, which is a crazy time to build a building and open it. But, Convenient. you know, you can't, you can't change pandemics. So um, we had to deal with that. And uh, that's been open now two years um, and is, is doing well. Um, but, you know, then the next question that always comes up is, okay, great, what's next? And so that's, that's what we're always thinking about. Well, well, talking about COVID then and during the time of COVID, what was it like internally for staff during COVID? <clears throat> a lot of times we hear, you know, oh, just what, what's happening with citizens, with residents, obviously that, that that's the major headline all the time. But somebody who didn't seem to get, you know, nearly a lot of the conversation as far as, hey, are you guys okay, were the healthcare workers. What was it like as a staff? What were you guys trying to do as leadership to encourage and, and protect and, and help the healthcare staff workers through COVID? Gosh, uh, you know, that's that's in, in some ways, you know, it's a time you try, you, you can never forget, but you try to to not always think about um, just because it was so chaotic. Uh, you know, when we started the amount of information and in misinformation and or changing information daily was was just crazy. Um, you know, we met as, as a leadership team twice a day at the beginning of the day 
kind of gave everybody assignments, said, where are our weak points? What do we need to do at the end of the day to say, hey, what got done today? What did we resolve? What do we need to push to tomorrow? And or what do we need to make sure we get through the night? Um, that was an ever-changing meeting because it could go from anything to, you know, we need more ventilators, we need more masks, we need more staff, you know, we're having problems um, you know, getting this other equipment, what are we going to do to protect our staff in various locations, you know, within the hospital and outside of the hospital? What do we keep open? What do we close? And, and those were ever evolving. You know, a lot of times we spend as an independent organization, we have to make all those decisions ourselves. Now, the great thing about that is we're in control of our destiny. The challenge to that is, of course, we have to to make sure that we're experts who are knowledgeable enough, you know, in all of those topics to make those decisions. And so, you know, that was a big challenge for us throughout, you know, the COVID period. Staff, it was a roller coaster. You know, was, you know, while everybody, you know, not everybody else, but while a lot of other industries, you know, had the opportunity to go to home-based office and hunker down in their basement, you know, our folks went out to their garage, got in their car and drove to work. And, and so, you know, that was a little daunting and that we did lose some, some staff over the course of time with that, just from either fear or fatigue. You know, we saw a lot, a, a lot more death. I mean, that's a, a sad aspect, but, you know, it's just the reality of the pandemic. You know, thankfully, we got to the other side of that. You know, I'll let infectious disease experts, you know, in the Internet argue how we got there. But, I mean, the reality is we, we, we've gotten there, and that's a great thing. You know, to see one to three COVID patients in the hospital, you know, now versus, you know, our high in the, you know, in the upper 60s uh, within the hospital is a much better place to be. Was there a moment that you remember in particular that it was just a realization of it seems like we're coming to the end? We see a light at the end of the tunnel. Did that did that ever occur or has it even occurred yet still? <laughs> that's a, you know, it's funny because as you were saying the question, I'm like, I'm not sure that's occurred. Um, it has. I mean, I think, I think in both ways. So as as it ramped up, you know, first we heard a lot more than we saw, right? You, you know, you had problems out in the Pacific Northwest, you had problems up in the Northeast, and we really didn't have the volume of some of those areas. And so, you know, we were cautiously optimistic, and then of course it hit the Carolinas and it hit us hard. Um, so it was interesting because we sat here in our meetings and we said, okay, how many positive COVID patients can we handle? You, you know, and, and, you know, we started with this series of rooms and then we added, you know, how can we protect other rooms? And we, we had to look at negative pressure machines. We had to look at, you know, staff protection and that number just had to keep escalating. So that's when you got really scared. Right, because it went from, hey, we can handle 10, we can handle 20, we, we, we're going to have to handle 30, we're going to have to handle 40, we're going to have to handle 50, um, et cetera, uh, to a point that it was very nerve-wracking. Hmm. Um, as we saw those numbers come down, as we saw the ability to start to change those rooms back to, quote, regular patient rooms, that I think is when you started to feel some relief. You know, I think as we've... Um, as we got down to zero, 
in a number of COVID patients. In real the quick, Mr. Green, sorry, I got I to gotta cut you real quick. We're Radio fam, we're going to take a break. Yeah. Digital fam, we're sticking with you, though. If you're watching on the social streams or WSIC News, Radio fam, we'll be right back after the break. All right, sorry, Mr. Green, go ahead. Not a problem at all. So um, it was about two and a half years, you, you know, between the start of COVID to when we didn't have a COVID patient in the building. Um, which is crazy to think about. But that's when, when you heard that number zero a couple days in a row, that's when you said, okay, I think we got this. Was there like a bunch of high fives going on between staff at that point? Like what was like the camaraderie (laughs) like? Oh, absolutely. I mean, at that point there was a semblance of of awe, of relief, of um, definitely of camaraderie. I mean, it's, you, you know, your work is, if your work isn't like a family to you, you're working at the wrong place. You know, the reality is, you know, we're, we're, we're with our work family a heck of a lot of hours. And, and healthcare is stressful. A lot of jobs are stressful. Um, and so, you know, with that, you need to have a, a good relationship with your coworkers. So there definitely was a, it wasn't an I did it, it was a we. It means by everybody in, in a collective um, sigh. Although also a recognition that, you know, we always have to be worried in healthcare about the next infectious disease issue, about the the next way of keeping, again, our community healthy and, and well. Do you eat at the? And that was a really hospital. long answer for your short. No, question. no, no, it's fine. I appreciate. It. Do you do you eat at the hospital cafeteria? I do. What's your favorite like go to dish down there? Like what's what's like like is it Salisbury <laughs> steak or like what's like what's like the number one thing you like there? No, I, I will tell you that, that, that I'm a pretty boring guy. I like salads, and, and so there's a cranberry chicken salad that's, that's, that's my favorite. Um, comes with like a Vidalia onion vinaigrette. You know, it just that, 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 one, that one gets me. You know, it, it's my attempt of saying I'm being healthy, although probably, you know, with the vinaigrette and the, the mayo in the chicken salad, it's probably not. But, you know, that's, that's, I'm, I'm going to live in my dream world on this one, okay? <laughs> you healthcare folks in your salads, my gosh, just make me make me feel less than with my cheeseburgers. No, but it's okay, because then I get to come see you guys more, right? That, that's what we want. So, <laughs> that's right. Appreciate that. How, how is the new urgent care going? we got about 40 seconds, so we're back with the radio fam. Give us real quick an update. The new urgent care that opened up on Broad Street, how's that going thus far for you guys? New urgent care is going well. We're averaging, you know, probably about 20 patients a day in the first month, which is a great start as people start to learn of it being open and the extended hours. Uh, we, ex- we expect that to continue to grow um, as we get into the fall. Excellent. Okay, we're going to rejoin with the radio fam real quick, and then we're going to, and then we'll keep this thing going. We appreciate your time. Morning LKN with Justin Kazepis on the new 1059 100.7 WSIC. Good morning, LKN. 748. If you're on your way to work and you need to get to work at 8 o'clock, you might need to pick up the pace. But if, you, if you're in the parking lot and you're hanging out and you're listening to this great conversation we're having right now, stick around. President and CEO John Green uh, of Iredale Health System has been talking with us. We were talking about COVID uh, previous to the break. We got a little personal. He's telling me about the salads that he loves to eat at the hospital uh, and really enjoys those, making me feel less than, which is phenomenal. Mr. Green, how would you describe your leadership style? Gosh, uh, you know, I would I would call it, you know, really a, a participative style. I don't think... You know, I don't think you lead from the top down. I think you lead from, you know, within, you know, so it's really getting folks 
engaged. It's really making sure we understand from every angle, you know, what is the best way to go about changing and or doing something and then following that, you know, looking at the experts for each and every part of a decision because there's no one person that's going to understand it all. And any one person that thinks that they can do it without the help of others is, is probably not going to succeed as well. Right now, there's a lot of talk about health care. People go to the doctor, they have a need, or they want it, even something as simple as an annual. But this concept of insurance versus health care, what is it like right now from your perspective navigating this landscape of legislation and requirements and reporting and collecting and all of this wrapped up together? What is it like? So we're on to, what, 4 o'clock for me to answer that question? <laughs> um, as long as you need, sir. You know, <laughs> realistically, it's, gosh, it is such a mess. Uh, you know, when I went into healthcare 35 years ago, I would have said, we have to change the healthcare system. It will be fixed. It is broken. It will be fixed in my time in healthcare. And and now that that many years later, you know, I look to you know, my son who's, who's in healthcare, you know, and say, well, I hope you can fix it in the next 30. Um, we have a system that has so many hands in the pot and is so expensive. Um, there's no easy answer. You know, when you have more than half of Americans, you know, one illness away from, from medical bankruptcy, it's un, it, it truly is unsustainable. You know, so we, we have to continue to see how can we, even in a minimal way, start to alter that, start to bring that down. The insurance companies are doing it partially through um, denials and through limits of what you're allowed to get. That's not the way. Yeah, because what that's doing is that's just frustrating the public. That's frustrating the person with the insurance because they have to get a pre-approval for something and that pre-approval might be denied, yet their doctor's saying you need it. Now you're putting this patient in the middle of a really large bureaucratic issue. And that's really, to me, not fair to the person who needs the care or is being told they need the care. So it's really a a huge problem. If you had my CFO on the phone instead of me, you would probably have a diatribe of all of the problems that the insurance companies create. Um, but for me, I'll just be a little bit more politically correct and say we have a we have a major challenge coming up um, as we do need to do anything to work to bring the cost of care more reasonable. I've got a quote that uh, that I'm pulling up that that you. Uh that you had said here that my producer's pulling up. Um, let me see, right? I am unabashedly nonprofit, Green said. I don't want to fight for the profit margin. I want to fight to expand and provide the services we need to care for this community. That's what our charter is. Did that catch you any kind of flack or, or did anybody push back on that at all? Or, or, or did that have, you know, full support whenever you made that statement? You know, uh, I've made that statement so many times, Justin, if it, if it was going to get me in trouble, it would have by now. Um, no, that, that no pushback. I mean, we, that is truly the belief system of our organization. It's one of the advantages of a community, you know, based, you know, locally owned and operated nonprofit. You know, we have the ability to stay focused to that mission. And there are times, certainly, where we need 
to get paid. There are times that we need to make sure that we have money come in at the door because that's the only way we can do all the services that we wish to provide. But that can't be our first and only focus. You know, a quick story I would tell you is, you know, the the um, urgent care down in Mooresville. When we first built that, we're going to build that building. We had focus groups. The first thing the focus group said they wanted in Mooresville, because that's what we meant to ask them. What do you need? What do you want? Was it 24-7 urgent care? They didn't want to have to go to the emergency room after hours if, if the need was not for an emergency room. You see very few 24-7 urgent cares in America, and the reason for it is, is they're not cost-effective after hours. Uh, but that's what the community asked for, and so that's what we've done. And, and, it's, and it's done well. And we do see patients every, every night and into the morning. Uh, do we see a lot? No. But again, to my statement, that is part of being a nonprofit. We have to look in, and follow our charter, which is to get folks healthier and well. And, and so we're, you know, we're going to balance that line. Beyond just so basically you're going to hear the statement from me again today (laughs) beyond just like a hospital where in dire emergency uh, when people need, you know, healthcare in that moment. What else are some of the things that that you believe are important for Iredale Health to be doing um, to spread health and wellness, we'll say, across the community? Sure. I think a lot of it is, you know, how do we keep you out of the hospital? Uh, you, you know, it sounds counterintuitive um, to a hospital system to say, how do we not have you admitted? But really, when you think of health and wellness, that's, that's the goal. You know, it's, it's first to say, you know, do we have enough primary care and enough specialist physicians um, and or diagnostic treatments in the communities so that you can find out what your needs are and we can take care of them before they worsen? That would be first and foremost. Secondly, you know, it is, is the other services that you can have after admission so that we're taking care of you again so that you don't have to get sick again and get readmitted, whether that's home health, whether that's outpatient rehab, cardiac rehab, could be our skilled nursing facilities, and really making sure we have the, the, the continuum of care that, you know, we can take care of you regardless of your needs. Because ultimately, that will be what makes us successful as a health system. It's, it's not looking at just saying, hey, what's the most expensive thing we can, we can do and let's make sure we do that. That's not what we want. What we want is to say, you know, where are you in your healthcare journey and how do we help make you one step better or two steps better? And, and that's going to be different for everybody. But that's really the aspect of, of how we have to look at it and how we want to look at it. What's, you, what's your story? What's been your road to get to being president and CEO of Iredale Health System. How did you get into this field? So actually, I went to, um, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and, and I, I went to physical therapy school. Um, so my bachelor's degree is a physical therapist, and, and I practiced PT. I, I treated patients for several years. And, you know, what I realized, uh, while I absolutely loved treating patients, there's, there's nothing better than the feeling of helping people get better. Um, but I, I moved into a management role. Um, and then it just kind of just kind of happened. You know, I went from a management role of a PT department to a rehab department to, you know, vice president of clinical services for a hospital. Um, all of that was up in the Midwest. Um, my wife and I decided to uh, try a different part of the country. We came down to Statesville and, and absolutely fell in love with Iredell County. Um, I was vice president here for Gosh, 15, 16 years, became the C, uh, the chief operating officer, um, 
as a interim position while I transitioned to be the CEO, and I've been the CEO now for going on four and a half years. Um, so it's been it's been a great ride. It's it's not been one where I've wanted to bounce around and and, and you know kind of do something and leave. It's one where we've really been ingrained in this community, my wife and I and my children when they were growing up, and and I think that that's a a great way to be and a you know and a better way to be. Uh, seasons changing soon, right? We're, we're coming toward the end of summer, fall. You know, the flu season may be upon us sooner than than we'd hope. And and uh, you know, with the change of temperature and the way that works in the medical field, I imagine you guys are gearing up for a lot of potential things. Any particular pieces of advice that you want people to have as we as we you know transition out of summer toward fall and winter? Gosh. You know, I think there's every year has been so different. You, you know, that's one of the most amazing things. People always ask me, "How's the flu season this year?" And it's like, it's it's so hit or miss. Um, you know, I do absolutely believe that one thing we learned in COVID was if you were sick, if you weren't feeling well, stay home, stay away from others. It doesn't matter what the diagnosis is, but you don't need to transmit it to someone else. Um, you know, we lived in an era for so long of, you know, folks were proud of the fact that I never missed a day of work, regardless of how sick I was. Well, how many other people did you get sick? Um, so, you know, take care of yourself, because that's a huge component of them being able to take care of others, whether it's your family, whether it's folks that you work with. So that would be the first thing. Pay attention to your own needs. Um, you know, make sure that if you're not feeling well that day, take a little bit of time to make sure you're feeling better. You know, if kind of beat it before it beats you. Mm. Mr. Green, we appreciate your time. Real quick, one of the meetings that you're having today, I believe, is on green versus red jello to give to patients. Which way do you lean on that topic? <laughs> you know, with the last name of Green, I have to go red. Okay, solid. No, that's good. John Green, President and CEO of Iredale Health System. Sir, we appreciate you so much. We appreciate your time. I'm looking forward to checking in with you and see um, continuing how Iredale Health is meeting the needs in the community and those goals you guys have set and whatever we can do to help uh, health and wellness in the community. We want to be a part of that. So we appreciate your time, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Justin. All right. Take care. All right. There you go. John Green, president and CEO of Iredale Health System. Uh, what'd you think, Bill? What'd you think of him? Nice job. He's a nice guy. He uh, he's willing to to talk about things, actually, which, again, like the healthcare system out of anybody who just has had to walk on these pins and needles for the past few years Right. It's that field. And so for him to be willing to, to have conversations with us and and acknowledge like it's been hard. Right. That's what we're about. We know it's hard. It is. It's a, it's it's a struggle. Complicated. You know what the struggle really is? It's seven fifty nine and you got to be to work at eight o'clock. You better get going. Good morning, LKN. Bill Russell coming up next. Just on the other side of the top of the hour news here. Eight four four Studio four. If you want to be part of the conversation. Love you, my kid. Good morning, LKN. 8.05, Justin Gazepis, Bill's on the sticks. Another Bill on the phone. Bill Russell, president of the Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce, also host, host of a show here on WSIC that airs every Wednesday from 4 to 5. I'm nervous right now. I don't know why I have this tingly, I have this tingle sensation in the back of my spine. I don't know if we should bring Bill Russell on right now. I feel like there's something coming for me and I don't know what it is. Uh, real quick, are you a green jello guy or a red jello guy? Which one? You know, I, I like green the color, but I like red jello. 
What, what brought up the Jello? Y'all been talking about Jello? Well, we had John Green uh, of Iredell Health on, see, ah. President CEO, and so I, we had asked him, and, and he said because his last name's Green, he prefers red Jello. I didn't come back at him and ask him about the whole red dye conversation. I didn't want to do him like that at the end of the interview, but uh, he was a good sport about it. So uh, I didn't know if you were listening or not. I, like I said, I feel I just feel weird right now. I'm just I'm I'm kind of in a ready stance right now in case something goes off that I should that I that I don't know what's okay. going to happen right now. Well, then, then here it comes. Oh, you, you must be telepathic. You must, you must be know it's coming. You know, I, I said a couple of weeks ago, I'm in the studio getting ready for my show, and then you're in there bashing baseball, oh, gosh. talking about how you didn't like, you don't like baseball. It's a boring sport. Okay, I, now I'm going to call you out. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge Justin to a hitting contest. Oh gosh! At the D bat betting facility, facility in Huntersville. It's an all indoor uh, climate control batting cage, so you can't you can't say, oh, I'm too cold or I'm too hot. So, and it's located in Commerce Station, which is managed by our three North Mecklenburg towns. I'm going to ask Bill on the sticks to umpire. Uh, I'm not saying you cheat, but you have been hanging around Joe Bagnetta now for <laughs> a few months, and we know about his nefarious habits. But but here's the deal. The loser, the loser will wash dishes down at the Angels and Sparrows community table sometime before Thanksgiving. And, you know, the truth is there's no losers to community service. But um, just to let you know, they're going to be throwing the heat. Are you ready? All right. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted, sir. <laughs> I am more than willing to take this on. Because, look, baseball's easy. Baseball's easy. And so, you know what? Let me show you. I got a video. I don't know if I sent you the video. My four-year-old son, Noah, he, he's loving baseball right now, and he's just knocking homers out, just knocking homers out in the backyard. Mm. Uh, he's got a lot of talent, but I don't, so I don't want to undermine him. But if he can do it, anybody can. So, so let's make it happen. I'm well, uh, challenge accepted. Let me let me just tell you, you 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 can determine the the pitches, and we're going to throw the heat. Okay, we're going to throw the heat to Justin Kazepis. We I want to know if you got your game on. I always hate the what I hated about Little League was potentially getting hit by the ball. That was always like like this is a machine <laughs> pitch, right? That's going to be just perfect down the middle every time. That's 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 correct. Okay, all right, yeah. You you better bring the Bengay with you, sir, because you're going to be a little sore after. Oh well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little older than you are. I'm a little older, but I think I think I I, think I could pull around on a ball. You do all right. I'm 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 gonna get some tips and some lessons. I'm gonna have to YouTube some things or something beforehand. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. What's going on in the well, world of small business? Well, we've got uh, we got the town talk today. We're bringing in uh, former Huntersville mayor Drew Saunders, who was mayor way back in the '80s, and then he went to the North Carolina legislature. He was in the legislature for about ten years. Uh, he was transportation chair. Uh, we're going to have Drew on to talk about the per this perspective he has and the changes of Huntersville. Because when he, when Drew was mayor, I think we had a community of like 3,000 people. And, of course, today we're talking about 70,000. And then we have Jessica Tucker. She's the executive director of Angels and Sparrows, where you're going to be washing dishes sometime before Thanksgiving. <laughs> and uh, we're going to have her talk about what they're doing in terms of outreach and, and getting people prepared and, and retrained for the workforce. So we're going to be talking about Huntersville largely today. But, you know, the fact is there is need within all of our communities, whether you're in Statesville, Mooresville or Huntersville and Cornelius, there's needs in every community. How important are nonprofits to the success of our community? 
critical. Just I tell you what, when I when we when the chamber has our nonprofit roundtable and we get these 35 nonprofits in and talking about the things that they're doing and you're listening to that, gosh, it makes you so grateful to live in a type of community. But it. If it weren't for the volunteers, because you can have an outstanding Angels and Sparrows organization or a Christian mission or Feed North Carolina, but you've got to have the volunteers that are staffing it and helping out and the people who are generously giving not only of their time but their money to make this happen. What about what what projects are going on right now that you've got your eye on in the North Mech kind of Lake Norman area? What you, what you got your eye on right now? Campaigns. <laughs> I bet your phone blows we're, we're up from the candidates. Labor Day, my friend. Oh, I bet your phone is nonstop ringing from all the candidates. Is that true? I, I am. I am meeting with prospective uh, elected officials. I'm meeting with the candidates. We're talking about some of the issues uh, facing our community. We're gearing up for this this school bond. We're going to be having a. I think I shared with you weeks ago. We're going to be having a special Focus Friday, probably September 8th, where we do a deep dive into what what North Mecklenburg would get in terms of school improvements uh, for uh, the school bond. And that's coming up on the ballot as well. But this is going to be significant. While in Davidson, it was five people running for five spots. In Cornelius, you've got 10 people and and two mayoral candidates, and you've got 16 and three mayoral candidates in Huntersville. So this is going to be huge uh, in terms of how our direction, the direction our communities face uh, over the course of the next couple of years. What do you think people should be paying attention to as it relates to candidates, right? Because local elections are supposed to be nonpartisan. So while, while you know, these major national topics we may have individual opinions on, it's not really supposed to be relevant to the, you know, small local community. So what should people be paying attention to as it relates to candidates, in your opinion? When I look at it, I look at does that person have the ability to build relationships because that's what politics is. It, it's the it's the business of relationships, and um, you can have some somebody with some really great ideas, but if they don't have the wherewithal to get it done, uh, then you're not going to go very far. So, uh, does that person have ideas? Are they somebody that's going to move us in a positive direction? Are they focused on the right things? Um, you know, infrastructure. You know, infrastructure over social agenda items. You know that those. Where where is their focus, and can they build a cohesive relationship with the other board members to move the, the uh, community forward? Do you think that the results will be? I don't want to say positive or negative. I don't even like the way the thinking of it that way. Do you think that people will engage at this point? Do you think that the community, from what you're talking about, people not running, let's say, not the actual people running for office, is the community fired up, in your opinion, and what you're hearing, to engage with these potential candidates? I certainly think it will be more so than last time. I, the, the last election we had, and, and certainly in Cornelius and, and Huntersville, we didn't have a very high percentage of folks turning out. I, I think it was a a very low uh, engagement from uh, voter trends. But uh, I think you're going to see that this time, particularly with the, the number of folks that are running. So yes, and, I, and that shows interest. I mean, when you when you've got a community like let's check, take Davidson, where you have five people running for five spots. I think that probably tells you that most people in Davidson are very happy with their trajectory and and where the community is going and the leadership of the community. I think that speaks volumes. Um, 
you know, in a community like a Huntersville or a now in Huntersville, you have a vacuum. So when Mayor Bale says, I'm going to step away, that creates that vacuum of, oh, that's why you see so many people jumping into that. So uh, but you've got 16 board members, actually 17. One person has pulled out uh, from Burtdale. He's still on the ballot. Um, so that'd be a little bit of confusion because I'm not sure we're at the point now where his name can be taken from the ballot. He's just not effectively running. Uh-oh. Bill Russell, host of Town Talk, also president of the Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce and a soon-to-be uh, baseball uh, champion as he is self-declaring <laughs> himself to be. We will find that out. Good morning, LKN. On the other side, uh, we're going to have a traffic update from ICATS. Good morning, LKN. Justin Kazepis, 818. Bill's on the sticks. Want to check in with the roads. Let's see what's going on with traffic. We've got Jeff on the phone from iCats. Jeff, how are we looking out there? Uh, good morning, Justin. Uh, 77 uh, north from uh, exit 23 in Huntersville is uh, going pretty slow. Uh, coming down earlier on 77 uh, south, uh, there was a lot of heavy traffic, stop and go, but when you're in the HOV lane, you just smooth sailing. You just keep on riding. Only for three bucks to go from Iredell County down to Charlotte. Jeff, let me ask you, how were the birthday fajitas yesterday for you? It was excellent. My wife's an excellent cook, so uh, it was great. That's a good had time. A great day. Thank That's... you for singing to me. Oh, absolutely. Anytime, sir. You know, I, I usually keep it in the shower, but for you, Jeff, you can have it all, sir. We appreciate you. Well, I, and I, I, I haven't heard of anything locally in the Statesville area with uh, any traffic problems for many of the other drivers. So uh, I hope everybody has a great day. There you go. That's what we want to hear. Thanks, Jeff. We appreciate your time. Take care. All right, there you go. Get, getting the traffic updates directly from iCats, rideicats.com. If you're looking for an in-town trip, it's like a dollar to go somewhere in town or three bucks to be able to ride to the city if you're a daily commuter. Then they also have additional trips, uh, Salisbury to the VA on Tuesdays, Winston-Salem on Thursdays, Hickory on Fridays. A lot of alternative transportation options out there, iCats being one of them. Rideicats.com. You can schedule your trip directly on their site. And they have uh, their whole list of routes and policies and everything else. So if you're interested in thinking uh, you might want to switch it up and are looking for alternative transportation options, rideicats.com. Bill, I, uh, I, I, I was wanting to see if you have the ability to load up some audio now at this point. We, we, we discussed it a little bit earlier. What you got for me? Do you have uh, that show that I mentioned to you? Asked you if you if you had ever watched it, and it's one of my favorite shows of all time. Hit him with it. Y'all know how this goes. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs, and maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I, I got, got you pegged. <laughs> But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Frazier has re-entered the building. All right, it is official Paramount Plus acknowledging the release, the revival of Frasier, premiering October 12th. 
All right, I rag on the Bachelorette. I rag on the Bachelor, the Golden Bachelor, plenty of the other trash TV, but Frasier is one of my favorite shows of all time. I am so excited to see how the revival goes. Really hoping I'm not going to be disappointed. I don't have any reason to believe I, I will be. What does Frasier do? So Frasier is a broadcaster. He, oh, okay. He is a psychiatrist who had a radio show. Yes, okay. And, and, and it's actually a spinoff show of the original show of Cheers, which was a bar where all these friends gathered. Right. Frasier was a character on Cheers, ended up doing so well. Oh, he wow. got his so own there's spinoff. Like a Cheers universe. That, oh, yeah, yeah. And sometimes the Cheers characters would show up on Frasier. There was multiple storylines with that. Oh, well, uh, that's nice. So now, and he's making a comeback, and, and, and a lot of people love Frasier, so not, and I would never claim to be a Kelsey Grammer but uh, definitely someone who inspires from the broadcasting perspective, at least for that particular show. Man, I've never heard you ever talk about Frasier. I'm so intrigued. I got to check this out. There's two shows that I like really, really like that are old school shows. Frasier is one of them. Then the other one I've mentioned, I think, to you, West Wing. Those, okay. are, the, those are the two that like from an old school show. Man. When I say old school, like pretty much it originated before I was born. Right. right. Then, you know, I, I, I like it. So. Right, it's, it's pretty good. You'll have to watch it. So I, I do. It's either on Param. I think it's on Paramount or it's on Peacock, one of the two platforms. So uh, you can go binge watch the entire like nine seasons of Frasier before October twelfth. So then that way you're just ready to go and can roll right into it. Right. So that that'll be your homework assignment, Bill. There, that's pretty good. So there's a lot of characters. I, I and it's, I don't want to get into like just start describing all the characters. I don't want to spoil her. You know, I don't want to spoil it for you. Right, I can tell this gets you excited, though. I, you know, I don't know. Like, it's it's a great show, and the teases have been out now for a while about about the revival of Frasier, and they talked about ways to do it because you know some of the unfortunately some of the characters, one of the key characters, has passed away since the show. Sure. And so it's just how are they going to spin it? What are they going to do? You know, they had kids and all that. Like how, right. So how are they going to put all these pieces together? Right. right. That's what I wonder about. Me too. <laughs> Well, so we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. So, uh, wanted to also get your thoughts, Bill. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll save that one for later. I was oh. gonna, I was gonna, I was, I, I was gonna hit you with it. Uh, we're gonna have Dave Gilroy, That's Commissioner Dave Gilroy, coming up. Yeah, I, I thought about going deep into it, but I just didn't think we have enough time. More Frazier. <laughs> Commissioner Dave Gilroy of Town of Cornelius is gonna be joining us at eight thirty on the phone. Uh, what do you want me to ask him, Bill? What, what are you curious? Are you curious about anything for the town of Cornelius? He's not running again, right? So he's got nothing to lose. Uh, and I'm, not, I'm I, I, there's as far as the commissioners go and the different towns and the ones willing to speak, uh, what's truly on their mind. Commissioner Gilroy has never held back. That's something I appreciate about him. He's he's willing to say what what he truly believes in a particular scenario. And uh, he's big on personnel costs right now. That's one of his biggest things he's talking about as it relates to budget and things like that. Correct. Do you have any random questions or thoughts for the for the town of Cornelius you want me to ask him about? Um, no, but I do think that we have had a great lineup, on, especially on paper. I mean... It's a busy day today. It, it's almost overwhelming. I mean, you just gave president after president, the commissioner after commissioner. I mean, what is going on? I, I don't know. I'm wondering what's going on with Alaska Airlines right now, though, is really what I'm wondering about. I don't know. I, look, you never want to like talk about a plane incident, right? Especially if like you're potentially going to be traveling on a plane anytime soon. But there definitely was an incident that took place. Bill, go ahead, roll the audio. I will. Holy! F what the? 
them. Sparks are there's sparks outside. What the sparks are flying. Why is there sparks outside? Uh, okay. I do not know what to make of that clip. <laughs> so I got an Alaska Airlines flight had to make a hard landing uh, related to Tropical Storm Hillary late on Sunday. Uh, John Wayne uh, Airport in Southern California. Issues with the landing gear. Mm. So one of the wings is like dragging on the ground. Sparks flying everywhere. Right. I thought, look, based on the description versus that passenger's reaction... I thought he was oddly calm for the scenario, if I'm honest. Right. You, you, you land hard with no gear. You get the wing on the ground throwing sparks everywhere. I'm, a, I'm in a little bit more of a conniption in that moment, I think, than, than oh, whoa, sparks. What's going on? Sparks right. flying? What are we doing right now? Yeah. Yeah, he did sound pretty calm. He sounded pretty calm. Well, he's just asking the question. Maybe he was in total disbelief. Maybe just the adrenaline was yes. just so, like, euphoric in that moment. I wonder if they dropped the masks, you know? That's probably, like, the part that's scariest to me. Like, you know, when they drop the mask, I yeah, feel like I it's never, them just doing... I never, ever want to go through that. <laughs> no, and it's like... If... Help myself before I help others. That's kind of oh, like geez. a last stand, you know what sure. I mean? Like, they drop the mask, that means, oh, shoot. Right. You know, are your affairs in order? Like oh, that's, no. that's, that's what I think of. Like, right. and you know, the, the steward, is it stewardess? The flight attendants, you got to call them, I think now they're so cheerful, you know, when they're doing the, the pregame, which you just experienced, right? You, I assume yes. you, I think it's yep. by law. They have to do it Yep. when you're taking them. Okay. Slip it over your face. Be sure to buckle. So nice and tight, right? right. Help yourself before you help the others. To all my exit row passengers, are you ready to die for Are you willing and able to yeah. help out? <laughs> of course I always say yes because I get more leg room, you know? It's like, of course I am. Right. It's a total freebie right there. That's exactly what you're doing. That's why you choose the exit row. Not to be of service, but because you get more leg room. That's right. What it's I always really like about. to give the people peace of mind, too, that are walking by when I'm in the exit yeah. row. I'm like reading the safety book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on one of these models. I got this. I can handle it. I can handle it. I know where all the controls are right, right now. I right. get it. I get it. Are you a window guy or an aisle guy? Um, I'll be happy with either. Really? Yeah. You don't care? I don't care. That's amazing. I'm, I can do whatever. I prefer the window. Sure. I like a good view. I love a view. I love looking out. Although the aisle, I could see its advantages and, you know, its advantage of if you need to get up and you need to get out of there. Right. Aisle's where it's at. Aisle's definitely where it's at. If you need to make a straight run for the for the urination station, that's it. You just get up and go. Are you a uh, one of those guys who stands up and just starts getting his bag out no matter where you are? No, in the I plane? sit when. It, oh no, sorry, different conversation. Go ahead. Oh my goodness, are you one of those guys who gets their bag and just rushes off and kind of uh, breaks the line of, you know, because you know you wait for the row in front of you to go, but there's always like two or three people who just have to get off this plane right sure. now. I, I'm not the rush off the plane unless there's a particular situation, right? I say that I'm not, and then watch next time I fly, there'll be a situation where I need to. I am a quick to get my bag out of the overhead compartment. Right. I don't like having to like get it out while people are walking past, like boosh, like right into somebody's head. You right. know what I mean? Like the that first person that's gonna run off, okay, well wait, I'm getting my luggage out. Right. Whack. Uh I don't wanna be that person. Um, and I, and I try to, um, I'm, I'm conscious, I'm, I'm a seat snob. I'm not going to say I'm not, I, I don't like row 26 seat, you know, E I'm mm -hmm. not, I'm not, I prefer to 
you know, be strategic with which seat I'm going to sit in. Right. Understanding, you know, how long it really takes to exit the airplane and how much time. I mean, you got to factor in an additional 30 minutes. Sometimes. Sometimes you do. And, and checking bags is also a big part of the conversation. Good morning, OKN. Commissioner Dave Gilroy of the town of Cornelius, just on the other side. We'll be right back. Good morning, LKN. Justin Kazepis, Bill's on the 6, 8.34 right now. You got to hit the mark. That's what you got to do. A lot of things going on in the town. It's been a busy day, but we're joined by somebody who isn't afraid to express what is on his mind. Commissioner Dave Gilroy, thank you so much for calling, sir. We appreciate it. Good morning, of course. How you doing this morning? Great, great. All right, so you guys had a board meeting this week. Town of Cornelius did. Uh, can you give us a synopsis of what went on? We'll start off with that. What's the most recent happenings with the town of Cornelius? Uh, you know, our last board meeting on Monday night was uh, fairly straightforward. Um, we had the, the mayor was out of town, and we had one commissioner out. So it was a fairly light agenda. We... Um, we got an update on how the library is performing here in town. You know, about a decade ago, we had a, a scare where the county actually, if you can believe it, uh, Justin, considered closing the branch in Cornelius. And I was on the town board at the time, and we freaked out, and we, um, we worked on that hard and kind of helped the county and restructured the relationship a little bit economically. And... Um, made sure we could keep that branch and the branch is doing great. It was a terrific update. Um, you know, usage is higher than ever. And it's really amazing uh, how expansive the scope of their programs are, you know, for kids, for seniors. It's a, it's just a great building. It's in the perfect location across the street from our elementary school, of course. And it's, uh, it's just a super asset for the town. So that was good. Um, you know, otherwise, just a couple of things involving our Electricity's municipal power generation um, and their relationship with the nuclear power station. Um, yeah, it was, uh, we, we, we worked on Bailey Road Park and, and the uh, tennis and pickleball complex that we, uh, we anticipate coming in the next couple of years. So just another Monday night, town hall. Hopefully good stuff for... For the citizens. You a big pickleball guy? I'm not. I'm a big tennis guy. Ah, tennis. So you're more you're yeah. you're more on the athletic side of things. <laughs> I'm a traditionalist. Yeah. yeah it's uh <laughs> it's it's interesting. I've always been a skier, not a snowboarder. And I I do appreciate um you know, I, I think there's just more a little bit more lateral movement and, and you know uh you know, just the run and the movement, the, uh, the strategy to work on a tennis court, maybe a little bit more challenging from my standpoint. I know there's a lot in the audience that might disagree with that, but, uh, yeah, I play a lot of tennis. I play almost every day and I really enjoy it. And it's a great way to stay in shape, stay fit, stay healthy. Your background is in finance. Uh, what, what was it when you first decided to get involved in, in you know, local politics or, or being a commissioner and being a leader in a town? What was it? Do you remember the time when you said, I, I want to get involved? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I had moved here in 2000, uh, bought a house out at the end of Torrance Chapel, just loved the town, loved uh, the community, knew that, um, you know, we'd raise a family, I could run a business here, uh, expected, fully expect to, to stay here forever. And um, I had come from all over the country, all over the world, um, my dad was a Navy pilot, so kind of grew up all over the East Coast and went to college in New Jersey and went to grad school in Boston, spent some time in Europe in the Far East, working in uh, Atlanta after grad school, worked in Dallas. Um, so I, I'd seen the, the world a little bit, and um, I thought this was a super special place, just exceptional in all kinds of ways. I think we all appreciate that. We're here, the geography. Um, the proximity to a to a major metropolitan area, the lake, of course, the climate. I mean, there's just so many things that line up. And so I just, I felt like, you know, it's a great place. I want to stay. I want to contribute. Um, I had, I had, as I mentioned, I'd worked at Atlanta, so I'd seen the hyper growth in the North Atlanta suburbs in the early mid-90s. I wanted to, I kind of approached it from, hey, this quality of life is, is truly exceptional, it's unique, it's spectacular. How do we preserve it? How do we sustain it? How do we not grow our way out of this quality of life? And so, you know, within a year or so, Justin, I had signed up to uh, to serve on the planning board with that goal in mind. Can I help <clears throat> preserve the quality of life and not, uh, and not allow, uh, you know, unmanaged and um, uh, reckless uh, growth, and, and by that I mean, uh, you know, what's what's particularly challenging for communities for all kinds of reasons. It might be a whole other show, but very high intensity, dense residential growth can um, can overcrowd schools and um, tax the uh, the hell out of citizens and supporting uh, services, and of course congest the roads um, beyond all recognition. So that really is is one of the key challenges. But to your question, you know, getting on the planning board, serving on the planning board for a couple of years, I, um, I did have a background in private business, um, served on a number of boards for small companies and, and, and had a corporate finance background. And so I, I you know, inevitably uh, took a careful look at the budget <laughs> for the town and how that was being managed. And, you know, we're talking about early 2000s now, um, so I was looking at budgets back into the late 90s, and and so that got me uh, that got me focused on how we were managing spending. How how much of the role of being a commissioner is focused on the budget? It's central. It's a you know I think the the three big things that we do on town board are you know first we ensure superlative just a plus police and fire, right? Public safety, um, that's, that's a priority. It's fundamental. We also, uh, we also then worry a lot about land use and planning, right? That's, that's a core mission of the municipality. Um, and that goes to this issue around managing growth and preserving quality of life that I just talked through. So how, how, um, how land is used, how, how future land use is planned, is a lot of the discussions and then and then third is 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 budget and 
you know, we have about a, a $30 million budget in this town now, so it's, it's significant numbers. Um, you know, the town is about 35,000 people. And uh, we spend a, a lot of time, the, the management of the town, the staff of the town, the full-time employees uh, begin a budget cycle, you know, typically in the fall. And we, uh, we meet and make a lot of decisions in uh, crafting that budget in the spring. We're on a fiscal year that starts July 1, naturally. So things get a little hectic in May and June. And by, uh, you know, by state law, we, we have to pass the budget um, sometime prior to July 1, which we always do. But it takes, up, it takes up a lot of time. And, you know, because how you fund things really defines what you're doing, how much of it you're doing, who you are in many ways. And so it's critical. Development, obviously a major conversation. Part of the last campaign, uh, there was the mantra of a moratorium through Cornelius of, you know, any project greater than, I believe it was 10 residential units. Um, obviously, the outcome and the results of that election, I think, speak to um, how the citizens felt about that concept. Do you think that Cornelius has room for more uh, major residential development projects? Probably not. Probably not. You know, we are eighty-five uh, percent residential in terms of our our tax base. Um, you know, that's excessive. That exceeds uh, uh, you know, most of the towns around us. It's not all the towns around us. The towns around the state. You you need balance. You need uh, for sustainability. For again, it all goes to quality of life. That's what we're all about: quality of life and. Um, particularly given the challenges we have with I-77 and the congestion and, and you know, the impact of those toll lanes, uh, we really do want economic development that's, that's local, uh, not necessarily to the town, but at least to, to uh, North Mech. And, and we've got to do our part in that in Cornelius. Um, we don't have the kind of land uh, that Huntersville or even Davidson have. Those are those are bigger geographically, much bigger. So we have to be super careful about the land we have and make sure that we've got that balance that people have high quality local jobs. There's nothing like being able to, to get to your work in, um, you know, five or 10 minutes or even bike or walk to your work, right? And so we're, we're always thinking about that. And then we're also thinking about just the, you know, the, the aesthetics and the environmental sustainability and again quality of life right and that means preserving some land um, not every square yard has to be built up into some kind of a structure whether that's residential or commercial you know people enjoy their their parks and and um you know the greenways and and being able to uh, experience more natural habitats and um and so we're always trying to preserve land so it, yeah, it, it, from my standpoint, given, you know, the challenges we have with spending and um, and certainly, you know, we continue to see uh, overcrowded schools and, and traffic congestion that's, that's you know, intolerable uh, during certain times of the day in places all over town. Uh, there's not a lot of room left for, um, for the worst kinds of, of high-density residential developments. 
Are you a are you a eat at home kind of guy, or do you like going out and enjoying the the many you know food options throughout the towns and and community? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think probably average in terms of uh, I think we all enjoy amenities and um, you know and and high quality retail and uh, you know I think we've got a fair bit of that right now and and um, you know. Uh, we're fortunate to have Burkdale nearby. Um, so again, these you know there are, there's no magic necessarily around where the the boundaries of the of the town are are, are drawn. Um, we're able to to um, you know to experience that kind of activity. Uh, you know, live, work, but have fun as well around the community. And I think I think we're doing pretty well. And, and the thing you can be darn sure of is that 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 development will continue, right? Because we have we have um, a lot of people that live in Cornelius and North Mech. We have great demographics. We have a fair bit of of wealth and people seeking quality of life. And so the retailers, the restaurants, they will come, um, and they have, and they continue to, and you can count on it. What's your favorite restaurant the in the area? That we need to, you know, the argument that we need to. We need to build another apartment complex to um, to make sure we we are supporting the pizza store down the down the street. Um, that doesn't make a lot of sense. You hear that sometimes uh, from some folks in the community, and I understand. I own you know I own a small company. I've invested in small companies. You know when I'm wearing that hat, I want more customers, not less. But you know we have to. We have to look at the big picture. We have to look at the quality of life for citizens. And so we're not going to build apartment complexes in order to support more pizza stores. That's, that's, a, that's a vicious cycle that, um, that leads to the, uh, you know, the kind of stuff you see in the Atlanta suburbs. What's your favorite restaurant in, in town? I always like dressers. You know, we, we tended to, as a family, um, we tended to, to do that a little bit in Burkdale. But, um, you know, the... Uh, the, there are some nice restaurants in, in Jaton Village, and um, and we're getting nicer and nicer restaurants uh, on the east side of town, right? The oh, hold on one second. Hold on one Main second. Street there. We're going to rejoin with our radio fam now. Good morning, OKN. Justin Gazepis, Bills on the Sticks, 847. We're talking with Commissioner Dave Gilroy of the town of Cornelius. I was just plugging away there for our digital fam, uh, getting to his favorite restaurant in town. Uh, we, we ended uh, previous to the radio break there, Commissioner, uh, talking about development. And, and I'd asked you about residential development and, and acknowledging just like these massive apartment complexes wanting to come in, but it just not being a right fit for the town currently just based on the size based on the, the the balancing act of percentage. Do you think that Cornelius in the near future gets to a point that there will be no more new development, only taking existing structures and retrofitting or altering existing structures? Probably so, Justin. I mean, we're almost there. There's not a lot of empty uh, green pasture land, so to speak, that, um, you know, would be zoned for, um, certainly not for high-density residential projects. And, and remember, I mean, keep in mind, um, there's an awful lot that, you know, has been approved in recent years that has not yet come out of the ground. Um, people don't realize that the timelines can, can be extended 
even more so in today's financing environment, given where interest rates have gone in the last 18 months. And so, you know, you mentioned the last election, which really was, um, you know, a transformation in the governance of the town and in the mindset of the town. But while that was very successful, we got some like-minded commissioners who, who think first about quality of life onto the board. Hopefully we can, we can keep that mentality through this, this coming election. But while we were able to do that, um, we could not reverse decisions that were made by the last board, right? So if people remember the campaign, we had pointed out that there was something on the order of 1,400 residential units that had just been approved in the six months prior to the election. Um, and, you know, I think people heard that. They were somewhat shocked, disturbed, uh, as concerned as you can be about the implications for school congestion, for traffic congestion, for tax increases. But, you know, those, those, uh, those residential units are still coming, right? So May, Matt, May's Meadow out on Mays Road, beautiful Mays Road, you know, talk about scenic landscapes and natural habitats. You know, we're going to develop a lot of houses out there. Unfortunately, um, we've got a, um, you know, an 800-plus residential unit complex, Green Gardens, Caroline, right there near the center of town, um, just on the, uh, the east side of Main Street, not too far from Town Hall. Everyone sees the the venue, that's that building that's going up on um, on just a little bit south of, of downtown, also on Main Street, um, over on the west side of town. Um, you know, there'll be another big apartment complex and conference center in uh, in that area, kind of over by Lost Worlds, and um, you know, behind the uh, the, the uh, Topical Smoothie that area. And that's an area that 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 needs some redevelopment, of course, right? But you know, you hope for something that's less, that's a little more modest, a little more balanced, less um, less intense residential development, and and unfortunately, that's that's not what we're going to get. And all of these projects, they're coming, um, and we'll see what happens. But no, to add more, to add even more on top of that um, in the coming years, I mean, you just you know, you look at what Catawba East feels like. You know, in the morning, uh, you know, four, five, six o'clock at night. I mean, it's it's a parking lot, right? You just cannot get through our the main corridor in our in our town. You know, you just can't get through it uh, if you're driving a car. You're just trying to get home in the afternoon. It's it's so bad, right? And and so when you think about that residential development intensity right there. On the uh, on the uh, end of Catawba East, all those people trying to get side 77, trying to get to the other side of town, will need to use Catawba East. And yes, that um, that's a formidable challenge. How do you examine? Like, you get a project put forward. There's an application. There's a process. You obviously, I have no doubt, following it through all the steps until it gets to uh, the town board for, let's say, a second round. Now, uh, how do you balance the decision making as it relates to what the UDO and the plan for the community is versus the rights of the property owner? Yeah. Well, look. Um, 
property rights are are fundamental, right? Um, but you know, we also think about property rights in the in the in the full context, right? So you own a piece of land, you're you're the property owner. I own the piece of land right next to it, Dustin, right? So it's not just about your property rights, right? It's about my property rights as well, because you know, I would rather you not build a gas station next to my house, right? So, you know, that's an extreme example where property rights are are need to be balanced among property owners. And in, in that same vein, the community at large is a property owner. We, you know, a lot of us own homes in Cornelius. Um, all of us live in Cornelius. And so, you know, we have we have rights to uh, to um, experience and enjoy our property as we envisioned it. And sometimes um, the development of adjacent property or property in the community, if not um, if not regulated or managed in some thoughtful way, then um, that development impairs. I mean, directly impairs. And sometimes in 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 terrible ways, right? The the our ability to enjoy and use our own property. So you can't be an extremist uh, in terms of, of property rights and not think about balancing the property rights of one owner with the property rights of nearby owners, neighbors, and also the property rights of the community in general, because everybody's property becomes more valuable when we create the the kind of, of town, the kind of community that I think we're creating. I mean, I always, from the very beginning of getting involved here 20, you know, 21, 22 years ago, I always thought that Cornelius is well on its way and certainly has the potential to be, you know, one of the most distinctive places to live in the, in the country. You know, I mean, you just think about, about towns that, um, you know, whether, wherever they are, um, communities in York, California, Florida that are, that are, you know, highly respected, highly prestigious. Um, people, um, people look at those, those, uh, those, those places, those communities, and just think they're, you know, they're off the charts in terms of, uh, of how well they've been um, developed, how, how distinctive they are, um, the quality of life of the people that live there. And, you know, that's, that's the opportunity we have in Cornelius because we have all the fundamentals that we, you know, we talked about earlier. And, um, and so we just have to be careful that we don't mess it up. And uh, that's been, that's been my guiding principle all along is do no harm above all, do no harm and let this amazing quality of life uh, flourish over time. Cause time is on our side. As long as you don't mess it up, because once you build a big, you know, low-end apartment complex or something, then it's there. It's there for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years before there's some, perhaps, you know, chance to redevelop. So you have to be careful. We have about two minutes left. One of the big topics in, in your newsletter that I read, which I appreciate, by the way. Well, we it, haven't talked at all about the budget. We haven't talked at all about spending. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have you back again. Don't worry. We're going to have you back again. 
Let's talk about personnel real quick. In the last two minutes we got, you're big right now on personnel costs as it relates to the budget. Uh, Where do you think Cornelia stands right now and where should it be standing as it relates to personnel costs? Yeah. Well, we've just just sort of let things go a little crazy um, over the last several years. Instead of making, you know, very strategic, targeted investments. I mean, you know, for example, right, we we know how important public safety is. I think we've got, I, I really believe this, I think we've got the best police department for a town that looks anything like us, any, anything near our size. I think we have the best police department in the country, uh, bar none. I just can't imagine. I mean, in all of our metrics, all you know, every time they go and get credentialed, I mean, the professionals, anyone who's interacted with them, it's a phenomenal, right? <laughs> and, you know, um, and that can get expensive. I mean, they're, they're three times the size uh, today um, with a town of 35,000 people than they were, um, you know, when we had 24,000 people. So, so there's growth there. But, but at the same time, you see, you see uh, things that you need to do, right? So we're, for example, investing in school resource officers, even down to the elementary school level, that's unheard of in this country. I mean, there's, I mean, that, that puts us in the 99.9th percentile in terms of, um, in terms of uh, police effectiveness when you put a SRO into an elementary school. But, you know, that's worth doing. And, and, and you know, if that's the only thing, or if that's one of a few things in a year, then it can make a lot of sense, you know, kind of converting our fire department from, contract which has worked well for a long time these are against uh, incredible professionals are so skilled their response times are amazing you know they save lives they may end up saving my life one one morning if i have a heart attack but you know you, you just count on them right and you rely on them and you know we can be better off if we've got some full-timers there to make sure we're covering all the shifts and in, in all the ways that we should um, and so you manage that and you, and you, and you and transition that over time. But um, those are the kind of things that, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to invest. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you have to have, you know, a 22% increase in overall personnel across the board like we did last year. Right? I got to cut you off. I got to cut you off, Commissioner Gilroy. I appreciate you. Next show's up. Pat Shannon, the Home Ad Show. Have a great day.